Jesus said, my Father's house has many rooms. If that was not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. You know the way to the place that I am going. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven himself, now to appear for us in God's presence. One thing I ask from the Lord, and that only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze on his beauty, the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there. Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious one. I'm looking forward to that. But until then, Jesus told us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, we are believing that heaven will come to this earth and that he will take charge and control and do what only he can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Just like heaven 
Feel the fire, feel the ground shake, heaven invade. 
Father, we just lift our hands and thank you for the glory of your presence that is in this house. <laughs> thank you that when we invite heaven to invade, you always come. You're eager to come. You're waiting for somebody who is hungry and thirsty for you. We thank you for the promise that you're coming again in clouds of glory. and Help us to all be ready. Help us to get ready if we're not ready. But until then, thank you that you are coming now in your manifest glory. <laughs> you are here right now to heal, to deliver, to set free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. You are here to deliver depression. You are here to co- cause people's hearts to be filled with joy, the joy of the Lord that is their strength. So we say thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's lift up a new song. Hallelujah. Glory of the Lord fill this house. We tremble in your presence, Lord. We honor your presence, Jesus. Holy, holy, holy are you, Jesus. Holy, holy, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The glory of the Lord is in this house. Can we just put our hands up like lightning rods and draw forth from that power and that glory in the house?
is his manifest presence. And he has brought his glory to bear in the house today. And that is where we are transformed. That is where we are changed in his glory, in the light of his presence. As we were worshiping, I saw such freedom in the house among some. But among others, just in the spirit, I saw several of us wearing a ball and chain. And you're dragging around that ball and chain. It's fastened to your ankle. And you can walk with it, but you can't run with it. You can walk with it, but you're going to stumble and you're going you're gonna to limp. You can walk with it, but it's a weight that is keeping you from the very best that he has for you. And for some of you, that ball and chain is called sin. And for some of us, that ball and chain is called shame. And for some of us, that ball and chain is called pride. And for some of us, that ball and chain is called regret. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Yes. And because he has purchased this freedom for us, he has told us not to be enslaved again to a yoke of bondage. So there is no shame and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are his child, but you know you're dragging around a ball and chain that has a name, that name has to bow to the name of Jesus. Please run into his presence, go into his presence, and let him take the axe of his glory and sever that chain so you can walk with freedom, so that you can run with freedom. He will take the shackle from around your ankle, and you won't have to deal with that sin anymore. You won't have to deal with the pride or with the arrogance or with the shame or with the regret. You can be free this day. Be free in the name of Jesus. Are you willing to let it go this morning? Are you willing to let him take his axe and cut it free from you right now? (laughs) Father, we just lift our hands in your presence and declare that we are free indeed. We are free indeed. We lift our hands in your presence and declare that we are free indeed. If you need help this morning to get free from a chain of shame or regret or fear or anxiety, these orders are always open and there are people who will pray for you and pray you through to deliverance today. If there's anyone you can feel free to come right now, we just say shake it off in Jesus' name. (laughs) I let it go. I shake it off in his presence. It's fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. So we let it go in Jesus' name. We let it go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 There's everything you need. worship. So arise, 
grace of your Father this morning. He wants you free in the house today. Move into his embrace and find freedom today. before you're seated were you blessed today or did you bless him today are you leaving here today thinking wow I was so blessed to be in that service or are you going to leave here saying I'm so glad I had the opportunity to bless him I'm so glad I had the opportunity to say arise to your rest and be blessed by our praise I'm so glad I had the opportunity to say heaven and faith your will be done in my life on earth as it is in heaven because it's all about him it's all about him so I just want to challenge you today church it's time for some of us to grow up and stop coming for blessing and start coming to be a blessing and to bless and glorify and magnify him and let the church say amen and you may be seated in his presence thank you father while they're being seated, I want to invite everybody the last Friday night of this month to this house for 12 hours of worship for one night with the King. How many of you would like to spend one night with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? You can do that. You know, lots of times in our worship service, are you listening to me? Lots of, lots of times in our worship service, we say, people say to me, well, I wish we could have just lingered there a little longer. I wish we could have done that. And then there are always people who are saying, why are we lingering? Why are we lingering here? Why don't they just go ahead and preach? Why are we lingering here? It's because they don't see what's going on over here. They don't see this person in the altar weeping. They don't see this person out there struggling and ready to come to the Lord. And the Lord saying to the leader, just give them a little more time. Give them a little more time. 
But by and large, many of us would like, we, according to what we say, to have more time in his presence. So you are being given an opportunity to spend one night with the king. You can come at 6 o'clock. From 6 to 8, our regular praise team will lead worship just like we do on Sunday morning. And then from then to six, on to 6 o'clock the next morning, different ones are signing up. And if you're in the audience and you'd like to lead worship for an hour, then there's a paper out front that you could sign up and you can say yes. Some of you may play with the, the piano or want to lead with a guitar or whatever. Uh, some of you might want to play CDs and lead in worship. So however you'd like to participate, that would be great. We just invite you to do that, to come and spend a night with the king. Now, um, uh, in our, our prayer time this morning, uh, we wanted to remember uh, Norma Cardona's family. Her mother passed, and the funeral is going to be on Wednesday. And um, there, and also uh, Tracy Bethay's daughter-in-law, Deborah, has a physical need this morning. How many of you have a need that you'd like to just mention? The Lord knows all those needs. He sees every hand. He knows what it represents, healing, whatever. And so let, just lift your hand up again, and then let's lift our other hand in thanksgiving for hearing us. And so we're going to pray right now. Yanni, would you come and lead us in prayer? We're going to believe the Lord right now to meet needs in this house as we pray. So don't take your hand down. If you need something from God, let's believe him as she leads us in prayer today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, how we love you, Lord. We treasure your presence and we are so grateful that you called us into your presence, oh God. Oh Father, thank you for this opportunity. Lift up every one of the prayer requests and supplication to you, oh Lord. Father, you see every one of the hands that have lifted up. Father, you already know every one of the need they have carried. And the burdens they have been carrying, oh God. Truly nothing is hidden before your eyes, oh Lord. So we are so thankful we can able to bring every one of these requests to you. And lift up to your mighty hands, oh God. And surrender all this burden, all this request, all this supplication to you, oh God. Knowing you are mighty God, you are able God, that you are concerned and mindful of your children's need, O oh Lord, and your desire to bring answer to their ways, O oh God, Father, so that they can able to rejoice your presence and your goodness and your truth and your word, O oh God. Lord, we are so grateful that you are God who hears our prayers, O oh Lord. Father, especially this morning, those who are sick, O oh God, Lord, you are the Jehovah Rapha who heals. You are the great I am, O oh Lord. Truly, you have sent your word to heal us and deliver us from the destructions, O oh God. So here we are, lift up every one of the sick and who's suffering with the infirmities, O oh God. We lift up them to you, O oh Lord. And we trust, O oh God, that you will visit them and touch them, O oh God. Raise them from the, their infirmities, O oh God. Raise them from the sick beds, O oh God. Raise them from the sickness, O oh Lord. O oh God, quicken their bodies, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Breathe upon them, O oh God. 
Thank you, Lord. Your healing virtue is upon them and available to them by your blood and by your Holy Spirit, oh God. So we want to say thank you, Lord. You are more than able to deliver them, oh Lord. Father, also we lift up our children to you, oh Lord. We know that, Father God, it is your desire for the next generation, oh Lord, and the children of the living God. That is our children and our grandchildren, oh Lord. Father, remember them. Remember their names, oh God. We know when you are on the cross, Lord Jesus, their face and their names and their salvations in your heart. So, Father, we ask you will remember them today, oh Lord. And we standing in the gap and cry out, you will be done upon their lives just as in heaven hallelujah upon their lives today this morning oh god thank your father praise your holy name oh god lord those who have not um opened their mouths to confess their needs father god and you know every one of them too, O oh Lord. So, Father, we ask you to visit them. Lead them to your heart, O oh God. Father, and reveal your desire to them, O oh Lord. That your desire will become their desires, O oh God. So, we give all the praises to you for hearing our prayers. Bring answer to our prayers. Give us opportunity to praise you and glorify you, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see y'all this morning. So good to see our faith family this morning. Let's give a big hand also to our internet congregation as well, okay? We also want to say a big welcome to anyone if this is your first time here with us this morning. If you'll look on your bulletin, there's a form on the back that says first time here. You can just tear that off and fill it out. And if you'll fill that out, and at the end of service, if you'll take it out these doors to the right, you'll take it to our welcome center. We'll have a care team there who would take your form, give you a gift back. So you just give them a piece of paper and you get a gift. That's a pretty good deal, huh? And then they'll be there to pray for you if you need prayer. If you have any questions, they'll be there to minister to you. So we hope that you will take advantage of that. So we have a few announcements. We will not have a prayer and worship in here tonight. Our VBS team will be decorating, and they're using every inch of the church. So we're going to give them that time to do that and decorate for our kids. So tomorrow, and with that being said, tomorrow night, VBS starts. Are you, are you kids excited? <laughs> One is over there. So dinner starts at 5.30 and activities start at 6. So we're so excited. There's a lot planned for your kids this week. On Thursday night, there will be a big carnival. So we invite you to come out, bring your neighbors, bring your friends in the neighborhood. Bring people, invite people to come, okay? We want them to come and join that. It'll be a great time. Today, after service... We will have a first-time attenders luncheon. If you, this is your first time with us today, you're welcome to stay and eat. If you've been coming for a little bit and you haven't attended one, you're welcome to stay and eat. We always have, who knows that church food is the best food? Yes. yes. 
You cannot go to a restaurant where you will find better food. So we invite you to stay with us today and enjoy that. We just want you to um, get to meet some of our leadership, get to meet our care teams, and we just want to have a time to get to know you and let you connect as well. All right. It's time to... It's time to... Yes, it's time to give. If you need a tithing envelope, our ushers are coming forward. If you'll just lift your hand... They will get you one. We thank everybody for all your giving. We know a lot of you give online. There are ways to give up on the screens, and we appreciate that. We know that's very convenient these days, so we want to offer you that opportunity. Today, we're also going to give you an opportunity to give toward a special need. For those of you who know that Will and Laura Thompson, you know, they have a lot going on. Their daughter, Danica, was burned in a fire, and Laura's had... Uh, surgery, shoulder surgery. Also in the fire, they they don't have a home right now. Their house was covered in asbestos, so they're having to gut the whole thing. So right now they're kind of displaced. They got a lot going on. So if you would like to give to help them out, they've got lots of uh, financial things going on, as you can only imagine. If you would like to give toward them today, just on your tithing envelope, you can put Thompson Family. Whatever you'd like to give toward that need, okay? We'll just leave it like that, and we will bless them with that. All right, ushers, you may come forward. If you'll stand and prepare yourself to give if you're giving in-house today. And you may come as the praise band plays.
glory. Well, glory. Let me hear somebody say Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. Amen. Let's make our confession over this offering in the Lord's tithe today, can we? As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interests and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessing and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is, sorry, yes, let's do the hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is abundance in this house. There is abundance in this house. Shout this out. In the name of Jesus and on the authority of God's holy word. So Lord, we bless this offering tied today. And God, we understand we are only doing nothing. You're not trying to jack us of money. You're just putting us in a position and giving us opportunity to be blessed. So Lord, we thank you. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord, my provider. You are El Shaddai. You are the God who is more than enough. So bless your people today. Bless us. We look to you for everything. It is in you that we live and move and have our being. That includes our provision and our financial needs, Lord God. The needs of our physical body, our physical man of healing, of food, of provision and supply. And Lord God, also you said that if we delight ourselves in you, you will give us the desires of our heart. That's what you said. So uh, we receive that. And we embrace that today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. You can give the Lord one more clap of praise before you're seated. We ready with the video, sir? We ready with the audio and everything? I want you to give your attention. This is just a very, very, I didn't make this from like last week, okay? So this is legit video. Just want to give y'all a heads up. So this ain't got nothing to do with swole. This has nothing to do with swole. All right, this is legit from uh, Dr. Terry Trammell. Um, and he is like one of the top head guys in our denomination, the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. So give your attention to the screen. Hello, Northview Harvest Church and Pastor Tim Hodge. Thank you so much for your global outreach offering last year of over $22,000. You were one of 20 churches that gave at least $20,000. You were placed number eight out of all of the 1,600 churches plus that we have in the United States. Thank you, thank you so much for your total missions giving that 
placed you in the top 42 churches in that category. May the Lord bless you abundantly in this new year ahead is our prayer. You want to know what's really cool about that? Is that's a lot of money that we give to our denomination for missions. But we give a whole lot more money in other places for missions than we do our denomination. Y'all didn't hear that. So let me just put it, let me, let me envelop it this way. We don't sit on money here. We turn around and put that money in the kingdom. In fact, man, if if we could, if I had numbers in front of me, uh, all of we've got some of our uh, board of directors members, people, folks that are out of town today. But those of you board of directors members, just raise your hand and wave it so everybody remember who you are so when they want to stone y'all, they know where to find you. All right, who else we got? Anthony's around here somewhere. Miss Molly's around. She, they're back in the kitchen, I believe. Uh, Charles and Dana's here, so y'all can tar and feather them later. I want to just give you a quick word. Uh, the Lord spoke to me last year and said, this church, we, even as much as we do, as we, you all, have done in missions, the Lord told me last year, we were to increase our missions giving. And I just, I just want to share this with y'all. See, when we say board of directors, a lot of people think, man, you know, a church the size of Northview and all that y'all do, Restoring Hope Center and all that they have going on. And, and, and really, they're their own entity, their own 501c3 tax-exempt status organization. But that's still our baby. That's why when Pastor Faye, if you get the phone uh, tree thing from her, an announcement or request about unloading the chip truck like last Thursday, when she says, this is Pastor Faye calling from your Restoring Hope Center. She's giving y'all a subliminal hint if you hadn't got that yet. That's your outreach ministry, Northview Harvest Ministries. And uh, as Pastor Faye, as they gave their end of year report in January, I believe, or February of what Restoring Hope Center did last year, over $2 million of, of benevolent aid dispersed through little tiny Laurenburg, North Carolina. So when you look at stuff like that and you look at budgets of this size, you can say, well, you, all that church has just gotten so big, it's just a business. Let me tell you something. I walked in that board meeting that night and I sat down and we got down to the agenda where I told them, we were talking, discussing missions and I told them what the Lord said. And we took every one of our missionaries, a lot of them who had not had any increase in years as giving from Northview, and in fact, some of the folks on there, Northview folks, committed themselves to give and quit giving, but the church kept taking it out of the general to make sure those missionaries were provided for. But the Lord spoke to me and said, 
spoke to me that we were to increase. So we increased every missionary and even some missionaries that have been sparsely supported once here or there, once in a blue moon, we took them in and made them monthly with a significant amount. I'm talking a big chunk cut into the budget. But we did what God said. Now, gentlemen, since y'all are the two, my two witnesses in here, when we were about to approve that, when I was about to take, when we had the motion and I was about to say all in favor, say aye, all opposed, no, I stopped. Y'all remember that? Because the Lord checked me. And I said, let's pray. And in that little conference room right through that doorway right there, did the Holy Ghost not come in there in a cloud of glory? As we begin to pray over the missions efforts and the missionaries and, and their financial needs and their physical needs, everything pertaining to them. And y'all, I was tore up. I mean, I was a wreck. I was such a wreck. I was so tore up from the floor up that when I got through praying, I had to ask them to hold on just a minute. I needed to step out into the hallway to gain, regain my composure. But Charles, one of my favorite missionaries you are, brother. When I got out in the hallway and I went out there to compose myself, it was like wave of glory number two came on me out in, in the hallway. And it was like God was confirming that I gave this command and you have been obedient. And you know what? We have not skipped a beat financially as far as our income or our giving. You know what? God's made it. God's matched it. And, and he's going to keep doing that because you know what? I believe. I believe this is not a this is not just my profession people this is my passion and I believe what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 when he said for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes can I ask you a question today do you believe if you believe, would you just give the Lord a shout? Let just remind yourself and remind him, Lord, I believe today. Say our faith statement together. place of hope. We are a people of promise, power, and his presence. We are focused on our Lord Jesus Christ and his harvest through worshiping, witnessing, warring, that is prayer, and working. Amen. Now, since we just mentioned missions, can y'all see this picture right here? Charles and Yanni sent this to me, and uh, they also sent it to mom. She sent it to our group family Facebook page last night. I had already uh, determined I wanted to pull it up today. Uh, this is a well. And where, where's this at, Charles? 
Nepal. And I forgot. Thank you, Nepal. And if you'll see the, the plaque there on the, the cement says, In loving memory. Loving memory. Of Pastor Kenneth Blease. Thank you all for what you do. And thank you for honoring tremendous spiritual father of this house who is going to receive his reward and is experiencing things that we can never even wrap our minds around. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Look around at about three people and tell somebody you love them this morning. Would you do that? You can reach them if you want to. If you know them, hug them. High five, shake a hand, smile at them. Let somebody know you love them. Let somebody know that they're important to you today. Because I can guarantee you, you all, those of you online, are important. Thank you for being here in-house. Those of you that are traveling today have had a lot of folks already on on the uh, Facebook just alone has already been sending messages. Those that are uh, incapacitated because of health issues, we're believing God for you. Uh, let me give you a quick praise report. Uh, I, I think I saw Mr. Ray Pate is watching. And Ray had surgery last Monday morning. He had to be at the hospital at 5 a.m. I think he was on the docket for one of the first surgeries, had bypass surgery, and was discharged to come home Thursday afternoon. Yes. So there was a lot of prayer going on for Ray. Let's continue to uh, remember Mr. Bill McGuire, who is uh, also dealing with some heart issues. And we're going to believe God's just going to completely bring healing to him. Amen. Because God is a healer. Somebody tell, tell your neighbor, God is a healer. All right. Get your smart device out and go ahead and go to the Northview Harvest Ministries Facebook page. And this is your hashtag for today. Little John, you got this? Flexible. Now, I understand Little John Cartwright and Michaela Chavis had a collision playing volleyball. He was the 18-wheeler, and she was the Volkswagen, so she lost. <laughs> Bless her heart. So if y'all see her on crutch, we all on crutches. She's back in the nursery, I believe. Uh, so we love you. Yeah, I see some. Careful, little John. She's right behind your head back there, son. I don't know if that, that glass is. Anyway, uh, y'all pray for Michaela. They're going to get things checked out. I believe x-rayed today, so we're praying healing for her ankle area. And I declare to you, God is a healer. But our hashtag for today is flexible. Flexible. Now, this just doesn't mean limber physically like a gymnast. It means flexible, especially we're going to look at it today in your thinking. Flexibility in your thinking. And be sure to put uh, Northview Harvest Ministries. Now, a lot of people say, Pastor Tim, why do you take time to do this every week? Because when I take time to do it, we reach over 2,000 people. 
Did y'all hear what I just said? We reach over 2,000 people just on Facebook. And what are we trying to do? Reach people. Not with Northview, but with Jesus. And that's what it's all about. We just want to get people close to Jesus so Jesus can do his thing. Amen. How many of y'all believe today? I quoted that verse from Romans chapter 1 just a moment ago, but let me be sure we understand this. What does it take to be saved? Listen to me closely before I go on. Just because your grandmama or your granddaddy was saved doesn't do jack squat for you. Okay? Just because your mama was saved doesn't do anything for you. Just because you're a nice, good, moral, benevolent person does not mean anything to get you saved. There's only one way to be saved and Jesus said, I am the way. Not one of the ways, not an access. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. So we just look at your neighbor, smile at him for a second and say, Jesus is the only way. You can't buy your way in. You can't send money to missions or money to televangelists or come in and, or send money to church. That's not going to, now we'll take your money, okay? Because I'm going to turn around and put it back into the kingdom. So we'll take your money, all right? But uh, yes, so don't get me wrong, but that's not going to do anything about your salvation. Amen? Amen. What must a man do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved in your household. And these four things, I'm just going to touch them. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm just going to keep doing this. Because I want you to be able to be in Walmart and the Holy Ghost use you to impact somebody and somebody's going to look at you with tears in their eyes and say, what must I do to be saved? And you're going to say, first of all, I'm just going to go for memory right here. You got it. Memorize it, okay? Put it in your own words. Number one, you got to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. That means he was conceived in a virgin womb by the Holy Spirit. He was not just a man. He was the son of God and the son of man. He came through a virgin womb and there's so much going on in the world of trying to take away the immaculate conception out of the gospel of Christ. If you take away the immaculate conception, there is no gospel. The only way it's a gospel or good news is because Jesus came. Somebody say amen. Amen. How many of y'all believe that? I believe that. Number two, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and the reason he died there was to wash away my sin. How many of y'all believe that and are glad for it today? All right, now listen. And I believe, number three, that on the third day, the Holy Spirit raised him again from the dead. He was not in a coma. He was not temporarily incapacitated. When they took him off that cross, he was graveyard dead. And when they put him in that tomb, he was graveyard dead. And for three days, he was graveyard dead. And when the Holy Spirit raised him again, he raised him again with power. And I believe the resurrected Lord is coming again. Amen. Number four, I believe this. If I believe those first three things, he's the son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose again. Then there's number four thing is this is requiring something of me. I just don't say a little token prayer and then keep on doing about my stuff that the reason he died for. I can't keep token on some joints when I'm feeling a little stressed. 
when he forgave me of that stuff of getting high and he wants to be my peace, not THC peace. Is this working out there? I can't keep partying. I can't keep running around. I repent from my sin. The very stuff Jesus died on the cross to forgive me for, and as Miss Wanda shared earlier, those things that he died and he shed his blood to break those chains that hold us back, he died for that stuff, y'all. Why would he let you keep on living in it if he died to get you away from it? So let's do away with this Americanized Kool-Aid church. Come in and say a little prayer. You don't even mean it. When the preacher says, repeat after me, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of my transgressions. What was that big word? I'm, be, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm being serious, y'all. For you to parrot something, a prayer that somebody else prayed, but you know what? If you believe like this, and if you out of your own heart, if any man believes in his heart and with his mouth confesses Jesus, believe that Jesus died and confesses him as Lord and he rose again and confesses him as Lord with his mouth, you shall be saved. Yeah. Amen? So you know what? I believe number four on this list is as important as the first three. He did that but he's requiring something of me. So you know what? I repent of my sin. I don't want to run around on my wife. First of all, she would kill me. <laughs> Second of all, when the Lord sanctifies my mind and my eyes, when you got filet mignon at home, why would you want to mess around with a piece of bologna on the streets? And that's good preaching right there. So hallelujah. Let's get on talk about flexible now. All right. So I got, what time is it? It's 10 o'clock. Praise the Lord. Look at there. We got all kind of time. We got food in the back. Y'all go pass out some of that chicken. We can stay here for a while. All right. Let's get into this thing. Uh, I'm going to take you to Matthew chapter 9. And I'm, I, uh, next week. Well, not next week, but week after, Lord willing, because next week, isn't something special going on next week? Father's Day. I'm expecting a lot of gifts from all the Hodge people. Look at your neighbor say, you've got to be flexible in your thinking. If you're going to be a Christian, folks, you've got to be flexible in your thinking. Now, if you've got a Bible or smart device, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. And uh, if you've got a Bible, this will be a whole lot better today. Though I am a smart device person, I'm going to bounce around a little bit. And some of the stuff, if you got a Bible, you can kind of look at the same thing in, in its entirety. All right? So I, I don't, I'm not going to preach, preach today. Tomorrow, today, I'm probably going to be more treachy. You know what treachy is, right? I'm going to be teaching and preaching a little bit. Okay? So, we're going to look at a big word in just a little bit called orthodox and unorthodox. Got to be flexible in our thinking. In Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 10, and I'm going to hit some verses here in Matthew chapter 9, and I have these on the screen, but then I'm going to kind of bounce around just a little bit. 
Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold many tax collectors. Somebody say many tax collectors. And that word many is still understood there, okay? Many tax collectors and many sinners. Now let me remind you, tax collectors in those days, I'm sorry, Pastor Michael. Pastor Michael works at the tax office, y'all. Do y'all like Pastor Michael? Y'all love Pastor Michael at Northview, right? But if Pastor Michael comes knocking on your door at home, you don't want to see Pastor Michael unless he's on Northview business, right? If he's on the city of Laurenburg business, you don't want to see him. Because people do not like tax folk, right? But in these days that Jesus lived in, they didn't have computers and spreadsheets and they didn't have all the, the checks and balances that we have now. So you know what? If I was a Roman tax collector, I could go, I started, I started to say I'd go to Andrew Albright's house, but his wife's pregnant. I've seen her, I've seen her do crazy stuff while she's been pregnant. So I'm not messing around his house. I'm not cheating them while she's pregnant. All right. Go to Stephen's house. Stephen's right behind him. I'm gonna go to Stephen Queen's house. And and here's the thing. All right, he can owe two hundred dollars in taxes, but because there's no checks and balances, and I am the authority under Rome's power and authority, an empire that covers the world, and he knows I could have him arrested or killed just at my word. I, he only owes two hundred dollars, but I could go to his house and say, "Sir, you owe six hundred dollars." In taxes, and he can say, "No, I don't." And I can say, "Uh, guess what? He's guess what? He's got to pay. He pays the six hundred dollars if he can. If he can't, he goes to prison. And then I get his stuff, all of the stuff, house and everything. But if he only owed two hundred, but he can pay me six hundred, I give the two hundred to the Roman authority, the Roman government, because they know he owes that much. But guess what? I do with the other four hundred." goes in my pocket. And that is what all of the Roman tax collectors did, especially to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people hated their guts. So when you see in this passage right here, now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and understood many sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Now, I love this about Jesus. It's because Jesus didn't say, eh, ooh, nasty sinners, drug dealers, ooh, pimps, ooh, prostitutes, ooh. You know what Jesus did? He kept on eating and talking to them. And interacting with them. And letting them see who the real Jesus was all about. Amen. Amen. And when, verse 11, look what it says. And when the Pharisees saw it. Everybody say the Pharisees. This is the religious crowd. These are the folks that, that they were the mainline denomination folks of Jesus' day. Okay? They knew the word. They understood the word. They're the ones that made the rules. And they're the ones that made sure everybody went by the rules that they made. Are we together here? And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? I messed some folk up one time. 
our men's group in Charleston, it was coming up Super Bowl Sunday, and we had always had Super Bowl parties in, in the church. And we do project it on screen and play it through the sound system and stuff. And this one year, I said, gentlemen, let's do something completely out of the box. They said, what? Now, if you hang around me a little while, you know I'm going to come up with some dumb ideas every once in a while. Right? And, but funny thing is, most of them turn out being really good ideas, like Super Soaker Sunday Sunday, which we've already got on the calendar for this year. So I told the guys, I said, we're not going to do a Super Bowl party at the church. We're not going to anybody's house. They said, well, where are we going? I said, we're going to the sports bar. <laughs> You're going to a bar. We sure did. We went in and took up about a fourth of the bar. And the guy sitting across the aisle from me and the table beside me, he was sloshed when he came in. He wasn't from my church now. Hold up. All right. We're just having nachos and Dr. Pepper and wings and stuff like that. But these other groups, they were, they were sloshed. Because, you know, most folk go to the sports bar to watch Super Bowl, Super Bowl. They're not really coming to watch Super Bowl. That's their reason to drink, right? So this guy was sitting beside me, and I forgot who it was, but Dallas wasn't playing. Because, you know, Dallas hadn't played in the Super Bowl in so long. They didn't even have beer the last time Dallas played in the Super Bowl. <laughs> But we coming back this year, all right? So I had no dog in the fight. So whoever it was was playing. I forgot. The, I was just pulling for one of those teams. But the guy sitting at the table beside me, he had a group of friends, and, and they were pretty tight. And, and I'm going somewhere with this, so hold on, okay? I'm, I'm trying to make a point. So I started talking with them, and they were pulling for the other team that opposite the one I was pulling for. So Tasha, since I have THDs in smack talk, I started smack talking with him. Now, first of all, some people will say, well, good Lord, man, you don't smack talk somebody you don't know, especially when they're drunk. When you're from a call, that don't bother you. <laughs> so I started talking and joking and cutting up. And at halftime, check this out, halftime, somebody, now I never told him I was a pastor. I'm just sitting there eating my... Because, you know, I love nachos. I go to a regular restaurant. If they got nachos. I go to get nachos. They were like, man, you can get nachos anywhere. Yes, and I will take nachos anywhere. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I, I'm sitting there, and somebody that was with me in my group looked at me and said, hey, Pastor Tim. <laughs> that guy sitting right across from me at the table at the corner that I've been smack talking. He looked at me and his jaw dropped open. That's the most quiet he'd been all night. He looked at me and he said, no, you ain't. Yes, I am. You're a pastor. He looked at everybody with me. He said, this guy is your pastor. He said, yes. He said, man, what you doing in a bar? I said, because if Jesus was alive today, Jesus would probably be in a bar. He wouldn't be drinking and getting sloshed. He'd be drinking Diet Coke and eating nachos. <laughs> How you know that? Because me and Jesus, we tied. And I'm Christ-like. And see, folks, still today, look. If Jesus is really in your heart and Jesus is really the Lord of your life, you're not living life for yourself. 
You're living life and you're like a magnet drawn to people who have need of what only Jesus can do. But if you're going to follow that magnetic pull inside your spirit, man, you're going to have to be flexible in your thinking because the first thing would be is most Christians would say, we can't go in a sports bar. Why? Last time I checked, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I can go up in anywhere. I don't have to participate. Now look, I ain't going to no crack house where they going, I ain't getting high on no secondhand smoke, okay? If it's something you're going to exhale, I'm leaving the premises, all right? Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm just being totally transparent and painfully honest here. But see, some folk can't wrap their mind around that and that is one reason that the church has lost its credibility and it has lost its influence because we put up these barriers where we go, ooh, and we get that pharisaical thing like, we can't hang up with them. We can't be with that person. We can't go to that place. We can't say this. We can't do that. And you know what? I heard uh, Dr. Ron Carpenter Sr., the father of Dr. Uh, of Ron Carpenter Jr., some of y'all may have watched him on television, but Dr. Carpenter Sr., he said this years ago, preaching in my church in Columbia, he said, if it is not biblical, if it's not, excuse me, if it's not unbiblical, if it's not illegal, and if it's not immoral, he said, I will do anything I can within those boundaries and confines to bring somebody to Christ. If it's not going against the Bible, if it's not going against the law, it's fair game. I wonder if the Holy Spirit, and the whole reason I'm saying this, we're going to see it in just a minute, folks, is because if, if we keep hearing about this new wine that God says he's going to bring, and, and later when we get to this scripture, in fact, let's just read this through. If we're going to talk about this new wine and walk in this new wine anointing, you're going to have to be flexible because Jesus said that no man puts new wine into an old wineskin because the old wineskin can't be flexible enough that when the wine is fermenting, it gives off carbon dioxide, which is a gas, which means the thing starts blowing up like a water balloon. And if it's rigid, and if it's hard, and if it's dry, and if it, it can't expand, it can't be flexible, it's gonna just break, and the wine spills out. And I'm telling you today, folks, I believe what the Holy Spirit has been saying to us, that he wants to pour out new wine on his church. But I'm going to tell you, first of all, you and I are going to have to be flexible in our thinking as to what and how and when the Spirit wants to do stuff or we're just going to bust and waste what he put available to us, made available to us. Yeah. When Jesus heard that, the Pharisees saying, why did your master eat with these kind of people? He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So that's verse 12. Picking up in verse 14. Then the disciples of John, this is John the Baptist. Everybody say that we're talking about John the Baptist now. So we've gone from the Pharisees. Now how many of you know John the Baptist wasn't a Pharisee? This dude's walking around in, in camel's hair, wearing this leather thing made out of camel's hair, and the brother's eating locusts and wild honey. I mean, imagine you go up and talk to John the Baptist, 
he got a cricket leg stuck in his teeth. Okay, so this dude's outside the box, right? And he's preaching the kingdom of God. In fact, when Jesus is walking down the Jordan River, John sees him and John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He recognized Jesus, so John is pretty legit. Would you agree with that? So look what happens when his disciples come. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? In other words, if you're at a wedding party, are you mourning and fasting at the wedding party or is it a time to celebrate? I think it's time to celebrate at the wedding party, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and when and then they will fast. And then look what Jesus says. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins will break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined and, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Look at two people say you gotta be flexible in your thinking. I'm gonna give you some words here and I'm gonna go quickly because this is just this is just kind of stuff for you to take home and to think about, okay? So if you wanna take pictures or if you send me an email, say, Pastor Tim, I want your notes, I want your PowerPoint, I'll send you, or I can just send you pictures of the slides, all right? But here's the thing. Everybody say orthodox. That's a big word. It's a, it's a, it's a church word, right? I mean, how many of you ever heard of the Greek Orthodox Church? or Romanian Orthodox Church, or in the church you've heard of orthodoxy. All right, so here's what orthodox means. Are we together? It means authorized or generally accepted theory, doctrine, or practice. In other words, if it's orthodox, this is what we believe. Now, it's almost kind of like what we would call doctrine, maybe. All right, but here's the thing, y'all. If you read this chapter nine in Matthew, and if you go back and read chapter eight and read all of this in its context, back in chapter eight, it says that Jesus and his disciples came to a place called Gergesim. Does anybody remember what happened at Gergesim when he and his disciples pulled up on the boat? Now, one of the gospels, it says there was one demon-possessed man. Matthew says there was two. They'd chain these cats up and they'd break the chains off. They'd terrorize people on the I-95 of that area. People would be walking by and they'd come running out naked, demon-possessed, bleeding, bloody, and cutting themselves and beating people and throwing rocks at people and doing all this stuff. And Jesus comes up and these demon-possessed people come running out doing that and, and they start crying out, Oh, Jesus, where are you, Son of God? Why are you coming to torment us before your time? Blah, 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 blah. And Jesus tells them to stop and this is what happens. Listen now, they said, get this, ready? How many of y'all know Jews don't eat pork? Right? It's an unclean animal. Right? So these demons start talking out of these men. They're asking Jesus, Mark, I believe it is, says they asked Jesus, don't make us leave this region. 
they were assigned, they were territorial devils. You know, certain areas have certain kind of demons that are assigned by the kingdom of darkness. Kind of like Lorenberg got one of poverty for sure. And how many of you know when you come to Jesus Christ, you rise above whatever hold any demon of poverty or lack or depression or aggression or whatever he had on you. In fact, Miss Wanda, what you said earlier, all chains are broken when Jesus comes out. Come on, somebody. Mm. Yes, sir. So these demons are speaking out and they look up and the Bible says in Matthew 8 that there was a herd of swine nearby. Which amazes me because first time I remember when I was young reading that as a Christian, when I became a Christian, I got to thinking, Debbie, I'm thinking, why are Jews raising pigs? If you're not supposed to eat them, you know why they were doing it? Selling that pig meat. Somebody, them Romans in there eating some sausage. Come on, somebody. In other words, those Jews put the dollar above their conviction. I ain't getting no help up in here. So you know what Jesus did? Jesus made the devils, the demons, come out of these two men and they went into the swine, the pigs, and the pigs ran down the hill and the very Sea of Galilee where Jesus and his disciples just rode their boat across, those pigs ran down into that sea and killed themselves. Listen now, listen. This is, I'm talking about Jesus here. You ready? Because the people who were raising the pigs went back to town, told everybody in town what Jesus did, and the Bible says the whole town came out and met Jesus. And you know what they asked him to do? Leave our region. Jesus just set these two men who had been terrorizing that town free. But because it cost them something they wasn't expecting, they didn't want nothing to do with that. In other words, they couldn't wrap their mind around what Jesus came to do. I hope that in 2023, when we see, we talk about new wine, but if new wine, if souls are gonna cost you something, I hope we lay that something on the altar and say that's my sacrifice. But Jesus, what I really want is I want you, you and only you. Give me you, cause only you will do. How many of y'all can say that today? Lord, I want you, I want only you. Because I'm afraid that when God starts doing what he's going to do on American soil in this reformation, revival, and awakening that's coming, there's going to be a lot of people that say, no, 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 I wasn't expecting all that now. I wasn't expecting, ladies, I wasn't expecting when I get the Holy Ghost and my makeup's going to be messed up, my hair's going to be messed up, and y'all going to get all that on live stream. Yeah, I want you live stream guys, when ladies get their hair messed up and the makeup, I want y'all to zoom in close. I want them to see what they look like on the World Wide Web. You know why? Because that's your sacrifice. You see right there? So I heard a woman one time when I was a boy in the church of God. I heard a woman, the preacher went up to pray for her. And, and, and uh, she looked at him square in the eye. It was a visiting minister. She said, you better not mess up my hair. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want God bad enough, you let him mess up whatever he wants to mess up. I wish I could get a witness from somebody in this room. If you want God bad enough, you're going to let him mess up 
what he wants to mess up. So look at this thing, orthodox, authorized or general accepted theory, doctrine, or practice. So we, here's the thing, look at this next line here. How can we, who are mere mortals, create orthodoxy about a God who continually demonstrated himself as unorthodox? So let me, can I talk to y'all for about five more minutes? Who was that joking about me in my five more minutes the other night? Somebody was, somebody was picking on me Wednesday. Oh, y'all shame now. Y'all gonna be quiet. I got y'all. It'll come back to me in a minute. I'll call you out. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I wouldn't do that. But listen, y'all, listen. When you read this, look, Jesus just could have cast those demons out. But he cast them out into the swine. You know why? Because he's God. He can do what he wants to do. He could have left those poor little rich Jewish pig breeders alone and not mess with some of their product and mess with their income status but he didn't you know why because he's Jesus he can do what he wants to do and when you read on when you get into chapter 9 is when Matthew's account of when the men brought the paralytic friend and they lowered him down through the roof and Jesus said to them he said, saw their faith and he looked at the man he said your sins are forgiven you and those same Pharisees that he talks about later that are questioning him, why is he hanging out with sinners? Those same Pharisees, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, they go, oh, blasphemy, only God can forgive sins. Jesus is like, yep, you're right. Let me show you how much power I got, which is easy for you to believe. Your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk. So Jesus healed the man, took up his bed and walked. You know why? Why didn't Jesus just tell the man to take up his bed and walk? Because Jesus is concerned about the souls of men more than he is a cancer in your body or a tumor in your body. He's worried about, he's not worried, he's concerned about it all. It's all on his radar. But first and foremost, he wants to see people forgiven of their sin. And to the Pharisees, oh, you can't do it that way. And Jesus, I wish I could get some help. I would run in this building today. But Jesus is like, I am God. Beside me, there is no other. You can't wrap me up in your little orthodoxy because I am completely unorthodox. You can't put me in an old wine skin. I'll break it open. So Matthew 8 and 9, Jesus all through there, he's completely, he's continually messing up what people's expectations are. And maybe I shouldn't even call it expectations, the word presupposition would be better. They're presupposing what Jesus is gonna do. We do the exact same thing. We presuppose how God's gonna do it. Miss Mandy, I bet that day you laid that $20 offering when you were still single on the offering, you'd expect that night, whoop, there he is. When you go in to lead worship at a youth service and the, little, the, 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 the man preaching that youth service, you wasn't expecting that when you laid that $20 on the altar. But whoop, there he is. Somebody look at Miss Mandy and say, whoop, there he is. You know why? She could have put that $20 on the altar. She could have said, well, Lord, yeah, I guess I got to wait now. I got to wait now. What she would be doing is in her faith of orthodoxy, she's wrapping God up in a box. Come on, putting plastic wrap on it. And so, God, you got to work within these parameters. And the whole time, God is sitting on the throne thinking, I'm unorthodox. You can't tame me. 
Come on, somebody. Jesus may heal a blind man this time by spitting in the dirt and putting it on his eyes. Come on now. And the next time a sick man comes up to him that's dead, he may stick his fingers in his ears. And see, if Jesus, if Jesus would have done that dirt thing three or four times, we'd have started a dirt dauber ministry. We'd be taking up spit and offering and dumping it out on dirt and making little pies and rubbing it all over people's face. But Jesus didn't do everything the same way every time. He did it the way he wanted to. I wish I could get some help for a minute up in here. That's why they could bring a blind man to Jesus. That's when blind Bartimaeus is screaming and crying, have mercy on me, you son of David. And the more they try to get him controlled, the louder he gets until they finally, Jesus stops, turns, says, bring that man to me. They bring him to him. And Jesus didn't just go boogaloo and hit him on the forehead. Boop, he's out and the Holy Ghost wakes up, can see. Jesus looked at him and he said, what do you want? You know why? Jesus knew what he wanted. Everybody knew what he wanted. Everybody in Jericho knew what he wanted. But Jesus wanted him to say it. Why would an unorthodox God want you to say something? Because he's all about your confession. I got to hurry up. Anybody getting anything out of here today? I'm just talking to you. I'm just talking to you. I'm just giving you a little overflow. So all of this unorthodox, Matthew chapter 8 and 9 shows Jesus constantly demonstrated his nature as unorthodox to religion and man's expectations. I love Isaiah 5 and 55 and 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. They are higher. Get this, get this, get this. The Bible is a thought scrubber. The Bible is a thought scrubber. All right. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? That means this is more than ink on paper. Ephesians chapter 5 says a man's supposed to love his wife like Christ loves the church and Christ sanctified her by the washing of the water of the word. So Jesus sanctifies our mind by the washing of the water of the word. This thing scrubs your mind. Look at two people say, your mind needs to be scrubbed. Now hold up, that's not being derogatory. Everybody in here. Tim Hodge at the top of the list will say, my mind needs to be scrubbed every day. Kim and I went up Friday. We went up to Greenville, South Carolina and spent the night, had dinner with my youngest son, Jordan, and his wife, Kate. We went over to their apartment at 11 o'clock and for the next two and a half hours or so, helped them load a U-Haul. I drove the U-Haul for them to Columbia, South Carolina, where the rest of some of our kids met and daughter-in-law and grandkids, and we unloaded. Man, isn't it amazing? It took you like two and a half, three hours to load that thing. It unloaded in 20 minutes. Crazy, right? But I'm going to tell you what, loading that thing and where was that? Where we had the parking spot, you couldn't let the ramp down, so you had to climb up in there, climb down, climb up in there. I was soaked in sweat, and I was, Dr. Seuss would say it like this, I stink, stank, stunk. How many of y'all would agree, all of us, the more we are in this age and in this time, the carnal stuff of this world tries to attach itself to us. The animosity, the hate, the injustice, the perverted thoughts, all of this stuff tries to latch itself a hold of us. So every day, folks, look, you can't take a bath once a week. Ain't nobody want to hang around you. 
they're going to bring a can of Lysol and hose you down. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to be washing. And that deodorant stuff does good wonders. Praise the Lord. Use it. If you can't get some, Pastor Faye and them had somebody outreach one time. I saw it. Let us know. We will get you some. Won't we, Pastor Faye? Folks, my whole thing is this. The Word is a thought scrubber, and you've got to wash in it every single day. In fact, it's kind of like washing your hands. I ain't getting no help up here. I served as a chaplain for 10 years at Lexington Medical Center, which is probably about as big or larger than, than more regional. But folks, as a chaplain, nurses, y'all wave at me. Got two of my favorite nurses from Scotland right there. Yep, yep, yep. I see y'all. Look at there. Three. Yes. What's the number one rule going in and coming out of a patient's? Say it. Hand sanitizer and washing. When COVID came out, you got to wear the mask, but you better be sure. When you go in, I don't care if you just hand sanitized out in the hallway. They made us, when you went in, you still washed your hands. When Even if you didn't touch them, when you came out, you washed your hands. You better scrub. Folks, the word of God is a thought scrubber. And in this day and age, with all that is going on in social media and whatnot, we need our mind scrubbed. Somebody look to heaven and say, Lord, scrub my mind. I got to hurry up. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7a says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you get anything out of what I'm telling you today, get this. Thinking problems lead to life problems. But you know what? If you let Jesus make you think right, Jesus will make your life right. Amen? That's why I love the scripture. Some people say I'm too, too uh, positive. How can you not be positive, man? I mean, have you read the Bible? He leads us in triumph from possession. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus, the resurrected Lord said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. How can I get down in despair when I know the one that kicked death in the jaw and walked out of that tomb said he's going to meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory. He's just good like that. Amen. Hallelujah. This last line on here. Never presuppose how God will do something. Keep the wineskins flexible to contain the new wine of the Holy Spirit. And let me just give you a little quick list of some things. And I'm going to talk about oiling the wineskin the week, Lord willing, the week after Father's Day. But let me just give you some examples of presupposed areas that we find ourselves in orthodoxy. First thing, very quickly, I'm not even going to make many comments. All right, this praise and worship. A lot of people come into some, a place like Northview, and if you cut your back, cut your teeth, don't cut your back. All right, if you cut your teeth on the red back hymnal, when you come to Northview, you, you would think that we are pure heathen, heretics, a cult. Because we are outside what you're accustomed to. But let me tell you something. When you study worship, it don't matter if it's a red back hymnal, something on the wall, or you just sitting out in an oak tree out in the woods all by yourself with the wind what rustling in the trees. If you've got a heart to worship, you're going to worship it doesn't matter what style it is. Amen. 
I don't care if it's bluegrass, southern gospel, contemporary, whatever. If you've got a heart to worship, your heart's going to draw after, draw after God. Amen? Amen? So we need to understand with praise and worship, sometimes we presuppose so much that we miss what God is really wanting to do. Don't discredit something that you haven't studied. Amen? And before you say it, don't take all that. If the Bible suggests from God that's what he wants, it does take all that. I had a fellow tell me one time, he said, well, that's just not my nature. I said, well, the last time I checked the book, your nature's supposed to be changing the more you mature in Christ. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> Number two is a suit and tie. I've had folks that, that have told me they would not listen to me as a preacher because I don't wear a suit and a tie. And I would want to look at them and I want to say this. The Bible says that the giftings and the callings of God are without repentance. So you are going to make yourself bigger than God and not listen to the gift and the calling of God upon my life because of what my attire is. Then you've got a presupposition and you have tried to fit God into an orthodox box. Now I don't mind wearing a suit and tie and I don't mind if you wear one. That's quite fine. Uh, I personally, if you got a problem with what I put up, what I wear to church, talk to Miss Kim. I'm just going to tell you straight all I do is get up and whatever she's got hanging on the closet door is what I put on if it's a suit I put it on but I went to Holmes College of the Bible I call it four years of boot camp you had to wear a suit and tie every day no facial hair Lord they would they, I'm a blasphemous heathen with hair like this because if your hair touched your collar or your ears you got demerits I'm telling y'all it's four years of boot camp you had to wear a suit and tie to class. Even when I was crippled and couldn't get shoes on my feet, that's my wife. I would have tennis shoes, sneakers with the laces pulled out because that's all I could get on my feet, hobbling on crutches down the street to get to class with a suit and tie on. But you know what, folks? Suit and tie is great. If you like wearing a suit and tie, that's wonderful. And, and I think, you know what? You don't have to dress up to come before the Lord, but I think sometimes if, if you're going to give a little extra something that day, you might want to present a little ex, more extra uh, attentive care in preparing thine self to be a sacrificeth to the Lordeth. That's Hodge King James Version. But you know what? Beautiful thing about God is. There's an old hymn I think describes it perfectly. Just as I am without one plea. You know what? God loves you just like you are. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you come in here with a $6,000 suit on riding in a $375,000 car or if you walked up in here because you don't even have a bicycle with worn out sneakers and holy t-shirt and holes in your pants. And I'm not calling you trying to be mod looking. I'm talking about because that's all you got and they just wore out. However you come, that's however God wants you because you know what? God loves you so much. He loves you beyond your wildest imagination. He loves you, man. He loves you. Look at two people tell him he loves you. Another thing is faith and confessions. The word of faith, speaking faith, believing the Bible, believing the promises of God, making confessions like we do. A lot of folks say that's just crazy. That's not that. that name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. You will never hear me say anything about that. I do not name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I make faith-filled confessions. 
that I know I know line up with this book. And Psalms 119.89 says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So if God's made promises for me, then you know what? God has set them in cement in heaven. They cannot be altered. So you know what? When I get a promise that I believe the Holy Spirit checks my heart on, that's my promise. And I'm going to sink my teeth into it, and I'm going to keep confessing that thing and believing for it. And if I'm praying for something for you, and I believe that that's God's will for your life, you better believe. Tim Hodge is going to be like a bulldog set in motion on that thing to come to pass. Amen? Yeah. So, when I went to, when I got saved, I grew up in the McCall Pentecostal Holiness Church and uh, and it was a good church, good people, but there wasn't any, anything taught on like faith or the word of faith. And when I got saved, I started coming to Northview because Kim's mom and dad down at the little old church, they had a rule. If you're going to date their daughter, you had to you know, either go to your church or go to church with them. And so when I got saved, I'm like, well, if I go to church, I gotta, might as well sit with a pretty girl, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get Jesus and the girl. What, that's a win-win, man. But they had that big satellite that Pastor Carlos painted that smiley face on behind the church. And people used to say Northview was a cult. People wanted to have Pastor Blees kicked out of the conference. The uh, audacity, the atrocity, this blasphemy. And Pastor Blees was having these word of faith teachers like Kenneth Hagan and, and other people like him uh, coming in and, and doing these conferences and beaming it to churches, little churches like in Laurenburg via satellite. We had, y'all remember that? Anybody remember back that had that big old giant projector TV, like 2,000 pounds you had to get out there and set up? But folks, look, I had come to Christ. I was hungry for Jesus, and that's what I cut my teeth on. And I just, you know what, I found out Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen. Now sometimes some people, everybody takes something so far every once in a while. Pastor Blees used to tell me like this. He used to say, son, reading a book or listening to somebody else's teaching is like eating watermelon. Sometimes you just got to stop and spit out some seed. <laughs> and that's, that's my stuff included, y'all. But listen, listen, listen. So this, I, you know, these Charles Taps, these folks on confession, the power of the tongue, that's what I cut my spiritual teeth on when I got saved as a new convert. So when I went off to Bible college, I was thinking everybody else was going to be like that. I went to a very traditional, conservative, Pentecostal Bible college that wanted nothing to do with that word of faith stuff. So they were very much against, they were putting down these guys all the time, and one day I had just had enough. They were so glad when I graduated from that school. <laughs> when I walked across the stage, I took my diploma. I think me and the college president said hallelujah at the same time. <laughs> but finally, I stood up one day and I said, look, y'all are always dogging these people. Y'all are always discrediting them and putting them down. I said, have you ever read Kenneth Hagin's books? Because all he's doing is taking scripture and just doing what the scripture says to do. And believing it. He's literally believing Jesus is going to do what Jesus said he's going to do. That's called faith. They didn't change, but I didn't either. 
still today, when people come into a faith-filled church, it's gonna, that's gonna not just stay within the confines of a mainline uh, denomination's orthodoxy. We are way too far outside the lines for them, and they choke on what we're trying to say, and they, they want to discredit us. But I'm gonna tell you what, you can discredit me, you can discredit Northview all day long, but you can't discredit what God's doing. The proof is in the pudding. All right, I'm going to hurry up and get on through this. Finances, a lot of folks. How many of y'all, your finances have been blessed being a part of Northview Harvest Ministries? How many of y'all have sent me an email or a text or something or told me personally something that you have, uh, because you, you link it to these confessions, but you believe God's honoring these confessions that you're saying? Yes. Folks, I've even had, I've had several people in the last few weeks, and I don't think none of them know about each other. They have been emailing me, texting me, hey, can you send me a copy of these confessions? I had like three just this past week. You know what I do? Shoot, I got it saved on the computer. I send it to them. You know why? Because that means somebody's getting pregnant with this, and it's going to make an even greater impact. Amen. The Holy Spirit, a lot of people are confused about who the Holy Spirit is, how he operates. And then the final thing I want to tell you, a lot of people are presupposing too much of God on the salvation. And I'm done. But let me just address this one thing. A lot of people that do not understand what the Bible says about salvation, they think salvation means God's just trying to get you out of hell and into heaven. But if you went, if you went, and if you look up the word soteriology, that's a big word, isn't it? It's a Greek word, actually. You know what it means? It means the doctrine of salvation, because in the Greek New Testament, the word used for salvation or to be saved is soteria. So, so, so therefore, soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. Listen to me, folks. God wants you saved. God wants you saved. Listen to me. That does not just mean not burning forever in hell and being able to walk down streets of gold. But God wants you saved. That means from the time you say, Lord, forgive me, he wants to be your deliverer until you take your last breath and you are ushered into heaven where you don't need a deliverer. Understand this, folks. God wants to touch and impact every part and aspect of your life. That's who he is. Amen. Father God, we pray today. Would you stand to your feet with me and let's close our time in prayer. And I pray that these truths that I've given you today have made an impact. I challenge you to go home and just chew on them, study on them, give them some further contemplation in your heart and mind, and ask the Holy Spirit to keep your mind flexible so that when he begins giving you greater revelation and greater understanding and more wisdom and knowledge, you're going to see that God will do greater things in and through your life. How many of you today would like to just ask God, God, I need you to scrub my brain a little bit. Scrub my brain. The Bible, the Word of God, is a thought scrubber. In fact, if you've been having problems with your thought life, thinking negative, 
thinking things that you know God's not pleased with, whether that be lust, whether it be revenge, or whether it be anger, wrath, malice, rage. If that's you in any capacity that you know your mind, your thought life, especially this past week, I just feel like there's been a lot of people just this past week, there's been some intense warfare going on. If that's you, I just want you to lay your hand on your forehead right now. Just lay your hand on your forehead. And just let's just keep this simple right now. Just say this with me. Say, Lord, scrub my brain. Scrub my mind with the water of the word. Now, I've been giving you. I turned the shower on today when I started reading the scripture. So just let the word do its work right now. If you've been wrestling with doubt or depression, let the word scrub your mind right now. An unhealthy thought pattern leads to an unhealthy life. A healthy thought pattern leads to a healthy life. So Father, right now, Lord, we just, re we just rest these things at your feet. And we believe in the power and the supernatural capacity of your word. And we thank you right now that you're touching every heart, every mind. God, I pray for those that are even dealing with grief, those that are dealing with stress or anxiety. God, I pray over our young adults. And I pray over our youth today that are dealing with things in this culture that we can never wrap our mind around. God, I pray you to touch them today. Strengthen their minds. Scrub their minds today in Jesus' name by the washing of the water of the word. And Lord, pour out that new wine. Let us think on levels that we could have never imagined. And let us see the hand of God do that which only the hand of God can do. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Would you just lift your hands toward heaven and let me bless you today. And I'm going to dismiss you. Don't forget those of you that would like to stay, you first time attenders, whether this is today's your first time or you've been here uh, for a while but you've never made it to a first time attenders luncheon we want you to come and join us in the fellowship hall but father god today i speak over these people of god and i say these words i quote from the scripture the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift his countenance upon you give you his peace in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit everybody said amen high five somebody said keep